Hello, and thank you for listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. I am Teresa Kuhn, helping you live wealthier. Resources are available for you at livingwealthyradio.com. Do you have a child struggling in the public school system? Do you sometimes think about homeschooling or placing them in a private school? Is the problem with our children, or is there something fundamentally flawed in the way we view education in this country? Maybe there is a better approach that can unlock the potential for learning and creativity locked inside the minds of our kids. Our guest, David Rodriguez, is the principal of Valor Academy, specializing in teenage apprenticeships and the publisher of the Underground History of American Education by world-renowned educator John Taylor Gatto. He's an advocate for giving children the freedom to pursue their interests, their passions, and their dreams. And he's here to share with us the backstory of how our current system came to be and how we can do better. Welcome to Living Wealthy Radio, David. Great to be with you, Teresa. So you recently published a book by John Taylor Gatto on the real history of American education. What did you learn from this experience? Tell us a little bit about how current compulsory system came to be. Yeah, it's a, it's a huge question, Teresa, and I think it's one of the most important questions parents and even non-parents, uh, anybody who went through the school system can really uh, grab a hold of. And the reason is because in the school system, we spend 12 years of our life, from age 6 to age 18, the most formative years of our mind. And in this process, we learn a lot of things, you know, habits and conditioned mindsets. And so these things, which the book reveals, were specifically designed by social engineers. And it seems so just unbelievable that people would, would think about creating a system like this. But if you take a look at the book or you can take a look at John Taylor Gatto on YouTube for free if you like, this teacher, John Taylor Gatto, was in the classroom for 30 years. He won all these award, awards like State Teacher of the Year two times and City Teacher of the Year, just a, a plethora of things. And the reason he was able to do that is because he was doing something which, which was not orthodox. And he wasn't dealing with, like, super wealthy families. But the last 10 years of his career, he was dealing with urban kids in New York City and kids who are typically considered disadvantaged and maybe underprivileged. And these kids were winning essay contests. They're winning public speaking contests. They're creating fundraisers for schools. And they're just doing amazing things. But these are, quote, the dumb kids, right? These are the, quote, the kids that aren't able to do these kind of things. And he broke through and taught them how to do that. And it was basically how to unleash the power that's already innate in these kids. And so in this process of publishing the book, um, which had been out of print for over 15 years, I just got to see some of the uh, resources of uh, individuals who have been writing about it, researching it. And you should understand, the, the listeners should understand that the school system has been around for over 150 years in its compulsory nature. So that's the key thing that uh, parents should understand. When you mandate attendance at school, this is a very disrespectful thing to do to 
any human, but let alone our kids. And so it's just a matter of repeating the process that this is why parents do it. And, you know, let me, let me kind of reframe this conversation a little bit. It's not that the teachers are bad. My mother was a teacher for 20 years. I have deep or uh, uh, close family members who are principals and teachers in the system now. So I know for a fact there's loving, kind people inside the system, but you've got to go to the, to the roots of this institution, where it came from, and where, where did it come from? It came from Prussia, Germany. The first school was in Boston, Massachusetts, 1852. And then prior to that, in the early 1800s, uh, Prussia, Germany, they're the ones who said, you know, what, what happened is there was a key event, 1806, the Battle of Jena, that's J-E-N-A, and uh, the uh, Prussians lost the battle, and so all the, the leaders and the philosophers got together, and they said, hey, why did we lose this battle? They said, well, I commanded the soldiers to walk ahead, and then they walked sideways. Well, because bullets were coming directly at their face. So they decided, and this is a Johann Fichte, the philosopher, spelled F-I-C-H-T-E. Uh, he made some public addresses to the German nation. You can find that. That's the primary source document there. But he said, we got to teach our students to only do what they're told to do, and they can't even imagine doing something else. And that's the, a paraphrase that I made it, but the phrase or the words that he said are very similar to that, and they're very clear. So that's what the school system is about. And just getting close to these documents and these ideas, I mean, it's quite enraging, actually. So if you're a parent, you're feeling a little bit uncomfortable. Yeah, this is what we're supposed to feel, because schools are not meant to empower people. They're meant to create obedient people. And that's one of the key things that I got from uh, this republication of the book, but it also allowed me to realize that funny feeling inside of me when I was in school, and maybe some of your, your listeners' kids are feeling this funny feeling like something doesn't feel right, and it's not, because as a free human being, you're able to study what you want. You're able to go where you want to, to travel to, and that normally happens around age 18, right? And the student graduates and they're like, all right, Johnny or Susie, what are you going to do with the rest of your life? And the kid's like, I don't know. I've never been asked that because for 12 years I've been given assignments day in and day out. I've been graded. I've been ranked. I've been judged. And never did I ever think about self-evaluation or self-direction. Young people are brilliant, and some people call them genius, as young as 5 years old, 8 years old, 10, 15 years old. This question of, of asking high school graduates, what are you going to do with your life, kids are ready for these questions as young as 12 or 15. Now they don't have ex much experience, so you know, it's helpful they stay at the, you know, mom and dad's house or grandma's house or whoever's taking care of them. But they're prepared mentally to actually take on some real learning. So what the compulsory system does is teaches them by example and by mother and father's approval to take assignments and tasks from total strangers. And so in, from age 6 to age 18, some of the most formative years or periods of our life, we're being dropped off at this building day in and day out for de over a decade. And so rather than the actual material in the school, 
what students learn are the habits. They learn the routine. They learn the bells. They learn reflexive obedience to authority. And that's one of the most unbelievable sources that Gatto quotes. It's a, it's a book called Principles of Secondary Education from 1918 by a gentleman um, named Alexander Inglis. That's I-N-G-L-E-S. And he goes through and he talks about the six purposes, or he calls them functions. And you can find that answer on YouTube as well. But the first one is to create a fixed habit of reaction. <laughs> that was the first habit. So it, it's Pretty incredible, Teresa, to understand why the schools were created, and you can take a look at that book and, and do that. Uh, there's talks of John Taylor Gatto on YouTube for free and just amazing other resources to look into. There's also um, an investigation that was done in 1953 by Carol Reese. This is called the Reese Committee, R-E-E-C-E. -E -E. You can look that up as well. So there's a bunch of you know, previous researchers in this realm, and so this is why I started my academy and uh, Education Options Expo and the YouTube channel therein because Mr. Gatto is a champion. He's um, 82 this year and just, uh, you know, a, a hero in my mind and a lot of other people's minds, including Robert Kiyosaki. I just did a video interview with Robert Kiyosaki uh, about a month or two ago, and Kiyosaki calls Gatto his hero. On video, it's incredible. So he impacted a lot of people because he had the courage to come out and call the system what it is, and then he spent over a decade doing research for this book. So that's why he asked me to republish it because it's his life's work, and it's been out of print for so long, and now it's time. We, we have the internet. We have YouTube. We have Google. We have all these amazing technologies. I think it's time we stop forcing kids to attend a building and call that education when there's a lot of better options out there, and hopefully we can talk about those too. So when you talk about social engineering, for, what, for some people, the tinfoil hat, right? Um, they have the idea of the tinfoil hat, but, but really there was a consensus. Um, somebody came together, a group of people came together to decide this is what they wanted for American children. Do you have any idea or any insight into who those people may have been and why that philosophy? Because programming takes place everywhere, right? Culture, mm -hmm. you know, sociologists have studied the, the peer pressure that cultures, people put on each other. Um, but there was definitely a shift about 150 years ago to go towards this um, this educational system to create a certain type of population. Yeah, what yeah, do you have around that thinking and who those people were? Yeah, so yeah, for some of the people who are skeptical, please be skeptical. I was super skeptical, and I've been researching this myself for you know over five years. You want to think about personal interest, and there's always self-interest involved. And so that's what these schools were about in the beginning is the factory school system, right? These industrials like Carnegie, Ford, uh, big oil men like Rockefeller, these guys saw something happening, and that was the industrialization of America. And at that point, remember, America is relatively free. There's no you know, arduous regulations to start a business, 
And the American dream was to be independent, have your own independent livelihood, not to take a job and work for somebody for the rest of your life. That was a new corporate creation. And so these guys, you know, the Rockefeller Foundation, the Carnegie Foundation, even Ford Foundation, and now in modern era, uh, the Bill Melinda Gates Foundation, which funded Common Core, which you know they have their own computer interests, and these industrialists back in the early 1900s, they they needed factory workers. They needed people who would turn the knob and twist the the crank. You know, they don't want independent thinkers. So from a logical point of view, it makes sense for them to create this system because they need people in there, you know, twisting and and doing the labor. And they don't want independent thinkers because independent thinkers, maybe like your listeners, I, I believe, and yourself, we ask questions. We don't want to know why, what's the purpose, who benefits, right? These are things that independent thinkers uh, propose, and when you're managing hundreds and thousands of people in a facility or throughout the country, the last thing you want is somebody to question your authority. And so that's the other thing that… Know these schools teach is authority, and sit down and shut up, and you, you need a, a pass. You need permission to go to the bathroom. <laughs> Forget the first six years of your life where mom and dad love you, and you go to potty, yes, and you get you know recognized. No, now you're in a room with a stranger, and there's been stories. A lot of the people that I've worked with are like, man, when I was in first grade or kindergarten, I was so afraid. I you know urinated in my pants. I'm like, oh man, you can you imagine the the humiliation and just the the terrible memories that puts in the kid's mind. You don't forget that when you're 25 or 45. You remember that forever and the humiliation. So authority is the other part. And so somebody who begins to realize their own power realizes their their own power. And if they believe in God, maybe it's God is their authority, their power. But every human life matters, and no human life is worth more than other human life. So when we're growing up in this school system, it feels like we're the student you know, in this experience, like we're inferior, like the teacher is correct. And so that's what it's about. It's about uh, managing a society of people who just uh, do what they're told, you know, pay their taxes, um, and that's another conversation. You know, Without taxes, the state can't run itself, and it's a, it's a big money-making machine. You've got things like the Federal Reserve Bank which is privately owned. You have the military-industrial complex, which is uh, huge money being um, transacted um, in the name of you know, protecting us from terrorists and people dying. And it's, just, it's, it's a deep rabbit hole, and it starts with the minds of children, and they use them as pawns. So anytime you see politicians talking about kids, definitely want to consider taking it with a grain of salt because they're manipulating your emotion. Of course, everybody wants kids to be successful and happy, right? This is like deep in our humanity. But what they don't talk about is the forced attendance policy because that is the crutch of the matter. So one day in, in my dreams, in 5, 10, 15 years, parents are going to say, no, we're gonna, we don't believe in forcing attendance of our kids. If our kids want to go to school, we'll bring them. But the reason the school system has to mandate attendance is because that's how they get their money. There's something called average daily attendance, ADA, and based on the percentages of the students who attend, the districts get the money from the state. 
and you might have heard of something called truancy officers. A truancy officer is somebody who comes and grabs the student from their home and forcibly brings them to school so that the, the teacher can mark the roster as present. Oh, we have a student in attendance. And so as with all things in life, you got to follow the money. There's major money in these schools, uh, the textbook uh, publishers, the architects, the, the food producers, the trash, the suppliers, uh, the, the janitorial, the, just there's so much money involved. And again, they're, they're good people in these systems. You know, I have family members. My mother was a teacher. I've got cousins who are uh, principals and teachers now. You know, so I know there's good people, but they don't understand the compulsory nature of it, the coercive part of it. And just like you, Teresa, we're, we're, you know, we just met, but I would never force you to do anything. I respect your humanity. I respect your freedom, your independence as a human being. And I respect also the kids out there, whether they're 10 years old or 15 or whatever age they are, they are going through this life, this journey, this experience, and they're trying to figure out what's going on around here. And when you have mega corporations that see people literally as human resources, and this term came from Germany, it's not a, a, a coincidence that corporations have these departments. Human resources departments, not, not people departments, not human being departments, resources. Just like there's wood and metal in a factory to be shaped and formed and fitted, the state, these mega corporations see kids as a resource to be formed and fitted. So that's uh, just kind of a quick summary of what's going on, but that's where it came from. So Rockefeller, Carnegie, uh, Ford. Um, and there's a bunch of other Peabody's, uh, these large industrials who had huge financial interests for these purposes. That's why they've done it, and now you know it's kind of been taken over by the state, which you know has military purposes of you know sending people off to war and obedience. And so when somebody's obedient, you can control them. When they're independent thinker, you can't. And so that's why we're promoting independent thinking and freedom. Well, David, I happen to completely and totally agree with everything that you've said. There are so many different ways that we can go in this conversation, uh, and there's only limited time, right? Um, yeah. But it was all about control. It was the need to control um, – well, it was the need to serve corporate America and also control the population. Um, and it starts with the influence, I think, you know, follow the money, Right. The, the corporations, the big, um, the wealthy people knew that they needed the people to serve the interests of the corporation, the interests of the very, very wealthy. And, of course, the government wanted that control as well because from mm. an income perspective, there was, more, um, there was more money to tax. There was, more, there was income to tax, right? Um, Winston Churchill um, said schools have not necessarily much to do with education. They're mainly institutions of control where certain basic habits must be inculcated in the young. Education is quite different and has little place in school. Our educational system, and that's, I use the word educational, right, in quotes, is not about learning. It's about programming. It's all about programming. If we wanted our kids to be educated, if we wanted them to learn and, and know things, 
we'd have a very different system. And we know in the United States, our educational system is not about learning. These kids aren't coming out. We spend more money on these kids than any other country in the world, and they are not that educated, so to speak, right? Um, You mentioned the military-industrial complex, right? It's the educational-industrial complex. It's a huge business, huge business, right? Um, Michael Badmerich said when the state or federal government control the education of all of our children, they have the dangerous and illegitimate monopoly to control and influence the thought process of our citizens. Mm -hmm. I think he said it so beautifully. And I think more and more people, David, are waking up to this. I think more and more people are saying, I don't want this for my children. Don't you see that? Don't you see that movement? I mean, it started certainly, you know, maybe 20, 25 years ago with a homeschooling um, movement. And it was fringe. It was weird back then, right? And today it's become more commonplace. That's right. Yeah. You're right. It's kind of reaching a point where parents are kind of getting set up with it. And I feel sorry for some of the parents who think there's going to be political solutions. And actually, I don't feel sorry. I just – I choose a different path. And if somebody wants to do political reform and educational reform, more power to you. There are some better charter schools that are facilitating some type of better education-type activities. But homeschooling is one of the most exciting things I've seen because it allows the parents to share and teach what is important to them. And if mom and dad don't feel you know, competent enough, which that's, that's some of the reasons I find out there doing my work is people, parents are afraid to ruin their kid's life or they don't feel competent. So there's this self-doubt, self-distrust, which was learned in their school days. So they're like, Ugh, you know, if I just put them in the school system and something happens, well, I can blame the school system. But then if I do something and pull them out and do something different, now I'm kind of sticking out and now I'm to blame. And this is, I think, a subconscious fear, and I think it's a valid fear. So what I recommend is to associate with people who have similar values, similar beliefs, and similar hopes inside of young people. And one of the key things is that young people are born curious, born desiring knowledge, desiring information. They're seeking, they're, they're touching, they're biting, they're feeling, they're peeing themselves. They're, they're trying to figure out what is this, right? I mean, I think we all can admit life is a mysterious thing, and we're still trying to figure out what it is, right? I mean, they don't know where all this came from and what we're doing here, so this is a good thing to have, to have a question and answer, have a conversation about what's going on here and allowing them to pursue what is of interest to them? And so the future, what I believe, more accurately de- uh, defined, is called self-directed learning, self-directed education. Homeschooling allows that because it removes them from the compulsory uh, uh, laws of the school system, which I mentioned the truancy aspect of it. So number one, you've got to get out from the control system, and that is by joining a homeschooling group, starting your own homeschool. This is the legal protection in air quotes to get out of it because the state really does see your kid as something that they own, right? This is, um, you know, one of the, the things of being a taxpayer, registering your kid for a birth certificate. And these kind of, I mean, it's such a, an unbelievable system they set up, but it's all about control. And the book goes into that in fine detail, 
how they really feel like they have a right to you and a right to your kids um, when, in fact, the government is supposed to protect our rights. Right? There's a Bill of Rights, and much of it has been decimated by the Patriot Act, National Defense Authorization Act. And so it's, it's – rather than protecting it, it's now becoming the tyrannical organization, and the power is in this next generation. So parents, I encourage you guys to remove your kids, and you can start something called a homeschool cooperative. This is where you get together, you and your buddies, or you can set up a, a kind of schedule of classes, and the kids can take optional classes. There's something called North Star Learning Systems out of – um, I think they're out of Massachusetts, uh, self-directed learning teen centers, rather. Um, you have democratic schooling. One of the great movies I'd recommend everybody watch, it's for free on the Internet, is called Summer Hill. That's one word, Summer Hill, and it's made in 2008. And it talks about the democratic school in the U.K. You've been around for over 90 years, and it's a K-12 boarding school, but there's no compulsion. And you show up, and they give you a list of classes, and they say, hey, welcome to Summer Hill. Here's what we offer. Go ahead and choose the classes that you want. Oh, you don't want any of those classes? Fine. We got uh, you know, 10 acres in the back. There's a bike ramp up front. There's musical instruments in the barn. You know, there's a tree fort out there. There's a rope swing, right? Like everything you could want as a kid, and this thing's been around for 90 years. And so I've watched this movie a few times. Every time I watch it, I cry because I get so touched and inspired by what – A.S. Neal, the founder of this school, did over 90 years ago. His daughter was running it, and now their son or his grandson, her son, is running it. And that's why I started my expo, educationoptionsexpo.org. There's a YouTube channel to go along with it. I've been running it for a few years because, yes, there is a problem in the school system. Homeschooling is one of them. I love homeschooling. Democratic schooling is one of them, yes. But parents need to be empowered that there's a lot of options out there. And I think one of the reasons they're so confused, Teresa, is because they don't know what an education is. And so in my Facebook communications, in my conversations you know, with face-to-face and on the phone consulting, that's one of the questions that they have a lot of trouble answering because we're told and we've taught for 12 years that education is high GPA. And the smartest kid in school is a valedictorian because he gets you know, 4.3 GPA or he has all these SAT uh, scores that are through the roof, and it turns out those things don't have any correlation to success in life. What they have a, a correlation to is memorizing tests and scoring on those tests. But what is a real education? How about how to live a good life? How about defining for yourself according to your morals and values? What is a good life? How to live my life? How to have a good character? What knowledge can I can I accumulate? What skills can I grow? What service can I give to my fellow human beings? How can I benefit the environment or maybe animals? There's so much need, and there's so much demand for leadership. It's just unbelievable. That's why a lot of homeschoolers are, are greatly accepted at these universities because these universities are in a business. Right, Harvard, Stanford—they're a brand, right? They charge uh, you know 150, 200k um, for a four-year, five-year bachelor's degree. It's big money. So their admissions department are very, very particular and peculiar and very sharp, right? So when they get an application from, let's say, for example, a 15-year-old, let's say a homeschooler 
who was out there in the real world taking action or maybe doing some apprenticeships, having relationships with professionals in the field. You got letters of reference. You have um, uh, projects they, they've completed, and they're 15, and they've graduated high school, and they've you know gone to some, taking some community college classes in their field of interest, and they're applying to Harvard or Stanford. This admissions director loves it because they look at this 15-year-old as a rising star. And when they go to Harvard and then they graduate and they go out to do great things in their 20s and you know invent some stuff and build some things, and they say, wow, you are really a great person. Where did you go to school? Oh, I went to Harvard. Oh, so Harvard gets the credit when in fact it was mom and dad homeschooling from age 8 you know, to age 15 and, and going through some of the stuff that I do at Valor Academy or – uh, uh, Beach High School in, in Santa Cruz or Ken Danford, uh, um, North Star Learning System or Thomas Parker and AgileLearningCenters.org. I mean, there's a lot of people who are starting to wake up. And at the end of the day, Teresa, it's about leadership. It's that man in the mirror. It's that woman in the mirror who say, you know what? I'm going to take responsibility for my kid's education. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm going to learn. And you link arms with a couple girlfriends or a couple, you know, buddy friends, and you get it. You know, guys can do it too. Dads can do it too. And you just say, okay, what are we going to do to help educate our kid? And number one is to pull them out of the school system. And one of the best philosophies I'll share, and I'll, I'll you know, let you speak too, um, is the philosophy of the world is the school curriculum. Now, a world as a school. And so this is what I promote in my academy where – the school is not a building. The school is Earth, planet Earth, and it can go, you can go deep in the ocean, or if you want, you can go to outer space. You know, if you got some connections at NASA, but it's in everyday living that you can learn stuff. It's in relationships. It's it's volunteering. It's offering service. It's you know, raking up some leaves of your neighbors or fixing a a leak for somebody, and having freedom to do that. The reason that many kids are suffering is because they're, out, they're in classrooms for hours, you know, seven, eight hours. You've got two or three hours of homework doing stressful work that doesn't make a difference in their life. It's uninteresting. So they associate those boring activities with learning. So later on in life, they're like, let's go learn a new skill. Let's go learn, you know, something fun. They're like, ugh, you know, no, no, no. You know, it's the, it's the worst thing, learning, right? And I had that same experience. You know, I, I hated reading growing up. Reading was not a fun thing. Until I found out when I was like 21 or 22, they got books about stuff I'm interested in, right? Because there's always a signed reading. You know, you got to read this and give me a book report. You got to read this and do a oral report on it. But it doesn't matter if you're not interested in it. If your kid is not interested in it, it doesn't matter. So what you want to do is find something your kid is interested in, and then you can build a curriculum around that. And there's uh, videos from John Gatto about that, and I'll be producing some of these videos as well. So, um, but the main thing is take them out of a compulsory system, put them in a voluntary system, and understand that education has nothing to do with grades. It's all about self-knowledge and productivity, doing, creating a life that you love, a meaningful experience. And if you can do that, then I think your kids and yourself could say that you're educated. And David, I think that was beautifully said. Um, a couple comments I would have is today, I think more and more are, uh, people are waking up to the fact that college really isn't necessary, that college is still part of that educational industrial complex. 
Mm-hmm. It's a um, it's about money and not necessarily educating kids. I know more and more people who are encouraging their kids not to go to college, to mm-hmm. seek a different path, unless of course the the child wants to become an accountant or a doctor or an engineer then there's a place for them in college. But just to get a degree, to get a degree, I, I think more and more people are waking up to, you know what, that's not the best path. Mm-hmm. I know for me and my child, I had serious concerns about writing a check for four years, um, and that, that would be the best case scenario because most of these kids don't finish school for five or six years, right? But to write a check to an institution send my child off to live a lifestyle that I don't approve of when I just spent 18 years of his life, right, encouraging and um, uh, guiding him to live a different kind of life. And as it turned out, he really, at the end of the day, wanted to have a business. He wanted to go to school to learn how to be a business owner. And what we did was very different we actually started a business with him. My husband and him started a business, and they've been working that business now. Um, so we took that college money and invested it in the business. And maybe yeah. in the future, it's not the business he wants, uh, but he's had the experience of from the ground floor starting a business, and that's been very exciting. And I know more and more people, when they hear our story, they, they love it, and I know more and more people who are encouraging their kids not to go to college necessarily. A lot of respect for what you're doing. So much respect for your enthusiasm. What resources, uh, and you mentioned quite a few on YouTube, but what other resources would you encourage our listeners to um, check out so that they can learn more about this unschooling uh, concept? Yeah, and let's talk about the unschooling concept. So unschooling, in my definition, is a – kind of subset of homeschooling, where homeschooling, some people like to take a curriculum and do school at home, which I think that's better than doing school at school, right, if we're talking about memorization and regurgitation of facts. Unschooling is super self-directed, and self-directed learning might be a more accurate term because unschooling just means not schooling, Uh, but it was a term coined by uh, John Holt in the 60s, and it is just super empowering because it's self-directing. And so, yes, those those are some of the resources. You can take a look at uh, YouTube and type in John Gatto for Unschooling. There's a a great lady named Dana Martin. She has a book called Radical Unschooling, and there's groups on that. Um, And it's just really allowing the person, the human being, whether they're 8 or 10 or 15, however old they are, to pursue what they're interested in. And it kind of correlates with a peaceful parenting philosophy as well, which is interesting. Um, so I would look up those people. I mentioned my uh, organization. The, there's videos on there, Education Options TV on YouTube. I mentioned the Summerhill movie, Ken Danford from North Star Self-Directed Learning, Agile Learning Centers itself. And those are places to start. There's also a, a great – a research scientist named Peter Gray, and he started an organization uh, called the Alliance of Self-Directed Education, and that's a new organization uh, that just started, I believe, in the last uh, six to, to ten months, 
but he's on a mission to bring the term self-directed education to the forefront. And what I love about him is he talks about the importance and the relevance of children's rights. And he said just as the civil rights movement you know, for African Americans was, was vital to this country and freedom, he believes the children's rights movement is just as important and is kind of the next frontier. And I agree with him. And when he said that in New York earlier this year, I was uh, so inspiring and just uh, applauding him because he's taken his, you know, professional title title as a professor and researcher, and he's going out there and having conversations. And the reason that John Gatto has been called the one of the world's most excuse me the world's most courageous teacher is because he's talking to political power. And so most people don't like politics. I think there's the Congress has like an 8% approval rate because deep down we know it's about special interests, and if you don't have $100,000 to donate, then they don't know who you are. You know, They're not representing us. They're representing their donors and their lobbyists. So the, the school system is by definition super political because that's how it's funded. I mentioned the average daily attendance, but the actual money comes from – know you and your listeners buy property taxes and you can read more about that um, in Elwood P. Cubley's book The History of Education I think it's a 1920 maybe 1925 book at your library but he goes through and he says how that was a key victory for the school system was it once we got the the property taxes you know then we knew the system was locked in so the future that I believe uh, Teresa in which I'm gonna try to bring into fruition is self-directed learning self-directed education seen the person as a whole person, and that's where I got my school a name, Valor Academy. You're valuable the way you are. The way you are now, you're valuable. You don't have to jump to some hoops. You don't need gold stars and, and 3.0s and GPAs. You don't need that. You're valuable now. Now the second part of Valor is courage. You and I are going to help you know, this student, this young child, to grow the courage, to grow the bravery which already exists in their humanity, to pursue their own passions, their dreams. Or maybe there's an injustice that they want to correct, or maybe something was missing from their childhood that they want to bring into reality for the next generation. These are all very important questions that if the kid is asked at age 10 or age 12, that seed will be planted, and then maybe by the time they're 18, 22, then they're on fire. And now they're traveling the world, doing volunteer, you know, going to Asia, going to Europe, Australia, living a life of excitement and adventure because that's what this life is for. Life is not boring. Learning is not boring. It's one of the most exciting things we could ever do. So those are some of the options, and yeah, I'd encourage parents to take a look. Um, of course, you know, you can take a look at the the homeschool training website, which I'm about to release. It's homeschoolleader.com. Um, the, the Valor Academy site is almost up too. It's ValorNow.com, V-A-L-O-R-Now.com, and the Education Options Expo.org site is up with some of the speakers there. And then John Taylor Gatto offers a free essay, um, which is titled 10 Skills for Global Success uh, or Success in the Global Economy, uh, a nice essay that he wrote. We've got a lot of stuff in the pipeline and, uh, yeah, those are some of the resources I think some of your people would uh, listening would benefit from. 
absolutely love your enthusiasm. You know, Albert Einstein said, imagination is more important than knowledge. Imagination is the language of the soul. Pay attention to your imagination and you will discover all you need to be fulfilled. I believe that the current school system is all about killing that imagination, right? Our children are bright, they're intelligent, they're creative. They rely on us as their parents to unleash their potential through learning. And it's time we stop assuming that the traditional school system, public schools and even private schools, is the best there is. And to find alternatives for our children that will motivate and stimulate their creative power. Our children deserve an opportunity to pursue their dreams and curiosities, and we can show them the way. And David, again, I applaud you for your passion and what you've put together in terms of resources and options for parents um, who want something different for their children. Uh, and thank you so much for coming on Living Wealthy Radio today and, and sharing. Um, really appreciate you. Absolutely, Teresa. I just want to acknowledge you and your producer, Joshua. Thank you so much because you guys are doing something which I would say pioneering. You know, you're taking the new media, the Internet. You can create these audio listening, learning lessons where people can listen anytime that they want, and you're doing great stuff there. So I appreciate the opportunity and hopefully we'll talk again, and maybe some of your listeners will uh, connect with me, and we can remove them from the forced schooling system and empower them and let their kids live their dreams and expand their imagination. And the last part I loved about your Albert Einstein quote, the reason he said knowledge is more important than imagination is because knowledge taps into what exists and what is known, and imagination taps into everything, including the unknown. So I appreciate you, Teresa, and we'll look forward to connecting again. Absolutely. Godspeed. Take care. Bye now. You've been listening to Living Wealthy Radio, heard around the web on livingwealthyradio.com, iTunes, and Blog Talk Radio. Download or subscribe to our podcast to hear a new show every week. I am Teresa Kuhn, and I hope you'll join me again next week as I show you ways to live wealthier. Resources are available for you on our website at livingwealthyradio.com.